Well, it's good to um, be able to preach for the first time at Midtown. Um, it is Mother's Day, so I thought I would preach from that classic Mother's Day passage, Nehemiah 3. Right? No, it's not a classic Mother's Day passage. Um, it's kind of an obscure passage. Um, it's one of my favorite passages uh, of, of the Old Testament. Um, I told someone that not too long ago, and they said that makes sense because that's a weird passage to have as one of your favorites, and you're a weird guy. So um, it makes sense. Um, but as we dive in uh, today, I just want to ask us a question for us to consider, and that is this, that what might it look like for us to take part in the building of God's kingdom together here at Midtown? What would it look like for us to take part in the building of God's kingdom together with God's people here at Midtown? Uh, So with that, let let me read the passage for us and then I'll pray. Then Eliashib, the high priest, rose up with his brothers, the priests, and they built a sheep gate. They consecrated it and set its doors. They consecrated it as far as the Tower of the Hundred, as far as the tower of Hananel. And next to him, the men of Jericho built. And next to them, Zakur, the son of Imri, built. The sons of Hasanah built the fish gate. They laid its beams and set its doors, its bolts and its bars. And next to them, Merimot, the son of Uriah, son of Hakaz, repaired. And next to them, Meshulam, the son of Berechiah, son of Meshezebel, repaired. And next to them, Zadok, the son of Baanah, repaired. And next to them, the Tekoites repaired, but their nobles would not stoop to serve their Lord. Joiada, the son of Paseah, and Meshulam, the son of Besodeiah, repaired the gate of Yashanah. They laid its beams and set its doors, its bolts, and its bars. Next to them repaired Maltiah, the Gibeonite, and Jadon, the Moronathite, the men of Gibeon and of Mizpah, the seat of the governor of the province beyond the river. Next to them, Uziel, the son of Harahiah, goldsmiths, repaired. Next to him, Hananiah, one of the perfumers, repaired, and they restored Jerusalem as far as the broad wall. Next to them, uh, Raphiah, the son of Hur, ruler of half the district of Jerusalem, repaired. Next to them, Jediah, the son of Harumaph, repaired opposite his house. And next to him, Hattush, the son of Hashabaniah, repaired. Malkijah, the son of Harim, and Hashub, the son of Pahat Moab, repaired another section of the Tower of the Ovens. Next to him, Shalom, the son of Halahesh, ruler of the half-district of Jerusalem, repaired, he and his daughters. This is the word of the Lord. This be to God. Let's pray. O Lord, um, you are with this people during this time. Um, over these couple of months when they, they rebuilt the wall of this city, the city of your people, Jerusalem, the city of peace. Lord, we thank you uh, how you were not just present with them and showed them your presence in a mighty way, but you are now present with us spiritually. Uh, we are here as your gathered people looking to you for strength, for sustenance, for a good word that can only come from your word. Be with us now as we worship you in spirit and truth and learn from you. Amen.
So when, uh, when Joel and I got married several years ago, we first lived in a little apartment in St. Louis. Um, it was probably about the size of a New York City uh, apartment. Um, so very, very small, maybe a little bit bigger. Um, but one of the things that stood out was that we did not have a dishwasher uh, and very little counter space, which we're in that boat again uh, here in Midtown. Um, I really love dishwashers uh, because I don't like washing dishes. Um, I don't mind drying dishes, uh, but I hate washing dishes. Um, maybe I sound like a prima donna when, when I say this. I don't like washing dishes because I don't want to get my hands dirty. Um, you, you know, when you have to clean off all the crud on the plates and the bowls and then invariably, you know, there's, there's a bunch of water in the sink and it's murky and you stick your hand down to, to clean up the drain that's been stopped by all the food particles and goop. And it's, it's just gross, right? And then at some point you have to play the little game of find the sponge, right? It's just, it's not, it's not fun. Um, I, I, I don't want to do that. I don't, I don't want to get my hands dirty. I know it's, it's pretty selfish of me. Um, and maybe, again, a little prima donna of me. Um, but I, I think that that's actually a pretty good analogy about how we look at a lot of life. Is that there's so many aspects of life, so many spheres of our life where we just we don't want to get our hands dirty. Um, we don't want to do some heavy lifting even when it requires us to do that. Uh, one, of the, one of the ways that this stands out, I know for, for me and maybe for you too, is when you, let's say, you're in a gathering like, like church or uh, another kind of smaller community of people and you greet one another. You say, hey, how are you doing? And you're expecting small talk, right? You're expecting chit-chat. When you say, hey, how are you? You're expecting someone to say, ah, oh, pretty good. Or, ah, oh, we're doing okay. Uh, and that's about it, right? And then you, you go about your business. Uh, but then, invariably, someone will start you know, pouring out their heart to you, right, and kind of emotionally vomiting all over you, right, and then you realize, oh no, this is more than a bargain for, um, and now I've got to do some heavy lifting here. I've got to get my hands dirty. I've, I've got to care for this person in the moment, and I didn't necessarily want to do that. Um, I think a point for us as we look at this text is that as as a, as a new church of Midtown Prez, a church that planted from scratch, we're, we're small. Um, you know, maybe if, if everyone who's come is here, there's 35, 36 or so people, um, you, you really stick out like a sore thumb um, in a good way, of course. Um, but you can't get lost, right? There's a lot that is required of us as a, as a small uh, community of God's people. Um, and we want this church to grow, right? We, we want this church to grow. We want God's king, kingdom to grow. But for that to happen, we have to do some heavy lifting and we have to get our hands dirty. And that is where I think Nehemiah 3 is really helpful to us. Uh, because on the surface, it does look like a, a, a list of names that are kind of hard to pronounce. And thankfully, I stopped at verse 12, didn't go on to the next 20 verses. There was even more difficult names. Um, but it's not just a list of names, right? I, I know it seems kind of like a boring passage. Uh, there's a lot of details about construction work that's going on, 
with the rebuilding of the wall of Jerusalem, but it's far more than that. It's far more than that. It's, it's really a picture of, of God's people getting their hands dirty, doing that heavy lifting, building something together. And it's good work because the Lord is, is restoring his people from exile, right? In the context of this group of people, he has restored them from exile in, in Syria and in, in Babylon, and now he, he's brought them back. And as he's restored them, he's done that good work of restoring his people. As he loves to do, he also calls them to good work. So as he does the good work of restoring his people to himself, uh, he calls us to good work. And that's our point, our main point today. Um, just three, three quick points I want to go through that we see in the text. I want to look at uh, the wall itself. Uh, the, the workers, and then uh, worship. Um, so first, the wall. Um, as we look at this text, uh, the work immediately before the people in, in our passage is the rebuilding of the wall of Jerusalem, right? Uh, that's not actually the first work that they undertook when they returned from exile. Um, Israel had been taken off, like I said, to, uh, to Babylon, um, by the, by the Persians, and after uh, Jerusalem fell, and after a, a generation or two, uh, Cyrus, the king of Persia, he allows the Israelites to return back to Jerusalem. Okay, he says, yes, he shows them kindness and mercy. Go ahead, um, go return to your home, rebuild the city. Now, if, if, if you're one of these Israelites and you're going back to your home, that was ransacked by a foreign power, right? Um, at that time, probably the, the greatest power on earth. Uh, if, if you were going back to that city that was destroyed, completely destroyed, totally in ruins, your homes destroyed, your businesses destroyed, uh, your culture destroyed, a lot of people had forgotten the, the Hebrew language, uh, lives had been destroyed, all because this enemy nation came in and took over your city. If you're now returning to that city, what's the first thing that you're probably going to rebuild? I'm probably going to rebuild the wall, right? right? It's a defense mechanism. It keeps the bad guys out, right, and the good guys in. Uh, that would be the logical first step. But if you actually go back and look at the book of Ezra, you see that the first work that they un- undertook when they returned from exile was what? It was rebuilding the temple, Right? They, they, that was the first project. They rebuilt the temple of the Lord. Now, the question is, well, why were they taken off in exile in the first place? Why were they taken off by this enemy nation? Why did God let them be exiled? It's because generation after generation, God's people had failed to put him first. They had failed to put him first. But now, as they've returned, instead of acts of self-preservation, their first priority is to put the Lord first. I think questions for us that that are very applicable is what are the areas of our lives where we have connecting with the Lord, engaging with the Lord, prioritizing life, walking in a manner worthy of our calling, walking with the Lord, where is that in the list of things that are important to us? throughout our day, throughout our week. Um, if I'm honest, I'm going to say, you know, I, uh, I want it 
finish going through all the Harry Potter movies uh, again uh, before I engage connecting uh, or engage with the Lord, connecting with Him in a deep way. I, I'm going to finish watching that Netflix series that I've been that I've been moving through at a rapid pace. Um, right? It, it's um, we we make so many excuses. Um, we make our own obstacles. Uh, that get in the way between us engaging with the Lord in deep and meaningful ways. Have you made connecting with the Lord a priority? But in our passage, now these Israelites, as they have returned to Jerusalem, they're now moving on to phase two, from the temple now to the wall. And when you look at the wall itself, again, what do we see? It's this defensive, uh, this defense mechanism, right? It keeps the bad guys out, keeps the good guys in. But it's more than that. It's actually a part of a larger work of restoration that the Lord is doing. There are many things that need to be restored in Jerusalem, right? There's the temple that needed to be restored, right? It was in ruins. Uh, The wall needed to be restored, right? It was in ruins. Uh, The people need to be restored. Their lives are in ruins. Well, why do they need to be restored? It's because they have sinned against the Lord. Right? They've sinned against the Lord time and time again. And, and sin, what is the job of sin? What does sin do? Sin ruins, right? Sin leaves everything in ruins. Their lives are in ruins. The, the, the wall has been torn down by this enemy nation because the people have sinned against the Lord. And sure, they're going to rebuild, right? They, they rebuilt the temple, um, but it's not quite the same as it was before when Solomon built it, right? Um, They're going to rebuild their lives, but they're not the same people that they were before. In fact, if you look at the end of Ezra, you see that they've intermarried. Um, They've got a different language now. Um, They're going to rebuild the wall here in Nehemiah within a couple chapters. They're going to see it to completion. Um, But the, the wall's not the same. You know, the material that they're actually mostly using to rebuild this wall is the rubble, right? It's, it's the rubble. Now, just to apply this to, to our lives, something has probably happened in the recent future or is going to happen. Um, excuse me. Something has happened in the recent past or something is going to happen in the recent future, in the near future, um, that is going to feel like that... Our, life is, our, our lives are in ruins. Uh, like the wall has been torn down. And we're going to start to put those things back together. We start to put back uh, relationships together. Start to put our reputations uh, back together. And we feel like what we're putting it back together with is just the rubble that's on the ground. But even though so much seems like it's not the same to the Israelites, and so much is not the same about our lives when we try to to put the pieces back together. Something does remain the same, will always remain the same, and that is this, is that this Lord who is present with these people and who is present with us is a God who is intent on restoring His people despite their sin. That's what He does. And that is cause for devotion. That's cause for devotion to Him and cause for devotion to the work that he has called his people to. He's a God of restoration. If you look at verse 1, 
says that Eliashib the high priest gathered with the other priests to rebuild and consecrate the hard work of rebuilding that was before them. Now, here, here's why that's important. is because I think we, we tend to think that hard work, uh, the kind of work where you have to do heavy lifting, the kind of work where you have to get your hands dirty, is a product of the fall, right? Is a result of sin. And that's just not true, uh, right? When God made man, uh, he put him to work as a good steward of creation, as a good steward of people and relationships. Now, the pain of of the work that we do may be a result of sin, but not the work itself, right? God put Adam to work in the garden. It, it was a way to enjoy God, right? It was a way to, to glorify him. It was a way to express his identity as an image bearer. Even hard work is good work and joyful work if the Lord has called you to it. Uh, now, I'm, I'm a guy who, I go on runs, um, every now and then, um, try to, to run several times a week. I hate running. Um, who, who here likes to run? Okay, some of you, I, y'all are crazy. Um, I, 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 I hate running. I do not get it. I run because it keeps me in shape or gets me in shape and keeps me healthy. It's a good thing. I just hate it. But there's a, there's a man named Eric Little uh, who the, the movie um, story Chariots of Fire was made after. Um, I think he, he won the gold medal in the, was it 400 meters in the 1924 Olympics. Um, he later became a, a missionary to, uh, to the Chinese and died in an internment camp in the 50s in China. Um, but you remember that line from Chariots of Fire when he says, when I run... I feel God's pleasure, that he created me for this. I enjoy him. I feel his pleasure. You see, when the Lord restores his people, he he puts them to work. He puts us to work. As he has gathered us together, he's put us to work. And if you enjoy restored relationship with God because of Christ, then you can enjoy the work that he's called you to, even if it's hard work. Even if it means you have to get your hands dirty, it's good work. The Lord has called us to this work at Midtown and in Midtown, and we can enjoy the work He's calling us to as a community. We can enjoy it. The work that the Lord calls His people to, it's supposed to cause flourishing, right? Uh, Flourishing in the community, flourishing for people, and yet it often seems so mundane. Um, I, I remember when I started out um, my career, I had a different career before I was a pastor. I worked in the accounting world. Um, I hated it. Uh, I, was, I was fairly good at what I did, but I, just, I hated every minute of it. Um, I didn't quite get how it was causing flourishing. I was just kind of pushing numbers around a page, and a lot of spreadsheets, a lot of binders. I remember getting there you know, really early in the morning, uh, even before the sun came up sometimes, and then uh, leaving really late at night and wondering, what am I doing? Why am I doing this? How is this possibly building God's kingdom? Um, and I, I, I would say I was kind of ignorant at the time. I didn't really understand it, that God had put me in, in, a, in a position, in a sphere where um, I could help cause flourishing uh, in relationship and community with people. Um, and even though it was so ordinary, it was so mundane, um, I just I, I wasn't seeing it. But 
you know, how often have we considered that God has indeed called us to flourishing in what is very ordinary and what can seem so mundane, right? Have we considered asking the Lord, Lord, would you show us your desire for our work in the midst of something that we really dislike doing? Have we said, Lord, help me enjoy you in this task that I'm not looking forward to? I'm usually grumbling about the work that I have to do instead of asking for the Lord's favor and to enjoy the Lord even in that ordinary, mundane, tedious work. That's the wall. Okay, let's look at the workers. Uh, When we look at this passage, we look at who is doing the work. A couple of things that stand out um, are this. First, there's a diversity of the workers. Look at verse 8. It says, next to them, Uziel, the son of Harahiah, goldsmiths repaired. Next to him, Hananiah, one of the perfumers repaired. And they restored Jerusalem as far as the broad wall. There's goldsmiths that are doing this construction work. There's perfumers. If you look further on in, in the chapter, verse 31, it says that there are merchants that are repairing. Uh, there are some from other towns that are repairing. Uh, there are priests. There are Levites, temple servants. Uh, civil uh, officers, district officials of the city. There's even entire families. Look at verse 12. Next to him, Shalom, the son of Halahesh, ruler of the half district of Jerusalem, repaired he and his daughters. See, the point is this, is that regardless of status, regardless of background, everyone is getting their hands dirty because everyone has a part to play as God has called them to it. But some refuse to do the work, right? If you look at verse 5, it says, Next to them the Tekoites repaired, but their nobles would not stoop to serve their Lord. Here's a group of nobles that thought that they were above the work, right? But, but did, did it sound like really any of these people had a lot of background in construction work? No, right? Merchants, priests. Uh, temple servants, perfumers, these are not blue-collar type of people, right? Now, of course, surely some had some background in construction and architecture and stuff like that. Um, but did most people? know? But they weren't above this kind of work. They, they were enthusiastic about this work. Not everyone had the same skill sets, and yet they were all called to and devoted to the same work, and they got their hands dirty doing it as a community. Sometimes, um, as, as pastors, um, especially at established churches, um, we, we see various opportunities within the church to serve the Lord and to serve the community, um, and we hear things like, uh, yeah, you know, that's good for some people, but that's really not my thing. Um, uh, you know, I've heard, you know, I really don't, um, I don't think I'm going to work with the kids of the church because I really don't have those gifts. I'm really not gifted with children. Um, and that may be true, right? Um, but, but we're still called to the work. Um, you hear things like uh, helping with fill in the blank doesn't really excite me. Right? It's, it's kind of mundane. Well, yeah, but the Lord calls us to that. Um, I hear things like, why do I need to invite people to church when you have pastors to do that? Right? By the way, there are invitation cards on the back table 
Um, Charles made sure that I knew to tell you that, right? Take them, invite people, right? It helps us build our community together. Um, you know, I've heard things like, well, why would I want to get together with just a bunch of other men? I like spending time with just my spouse. And yeah, I do too, but, but what about the community? What about building together? Um, here's one I, I hear a lot is, why do I need to help out with that ministry? Things always seem to get done. Um, and yeah, they do get done because they need to get done. But uh, you know, when we say these things, how are we any better than the nobles who thought that the work was below them? We're, we're really no better. Now, at Midtown, we're, we're a new, uh, you know, growing group. But even though we're, we're growing and, you know, we don't have a ton of ministries, um, right, programs, we have to protect ourselves now early on uh, and protect each other from getting the habit of finding a reason not to build together. Right? Um, we're, we're more than just a worshiping body. Uh, we have a tendency uh, as, as individual Christians, as part of any church, to say, I just want to go and be fed. Right? I want to plug in, get reads charged, and then unplug and leave. Um, but that's not what we're called to as God's people. Uh, we're called, yes, to worship together. We're called to build God's kingdom together. To be in community. Literally, the, defic- the definition of community is to be together with shared commitments towards a common purpose or a common goal. That's what it looks like to be part of God's people in the church. But, you know, something else that stands out uh, when you look at this people in our passage is the camaraderie that they had. Um, you know, again, we're all equipped in construction, no, but they were all equipped with what they needed. Um, here's what they were equipped with. They were equipped with the knowledge uh, and the love of a God who restores his people and calls his people together to participate in the mission of, re- of repairing what was torn down. Right? That is our call in building the kingdom, to participate with the Lord in repairing what was torn down. It, it, even as a small group, even if you look around this room, um, what you see is a, a lot of merchants and perfumers, and goldsmiths, right, and district officials. Um, But we're all equipped. We're all equipped to build God's kingdom. The Lord equips us with the knowledge of His salvation, of His restoring us to Himself because of the finished work of Jesus. He equips us, as the um, uh, the writer of Hebrews says, with everything good in order that we might do His will. He equips us to build His kingdom together. Now, it's, it's interesting that the word that you see uh, repeated a number, number of times in, in Nehemiah 3, and uh, this especially stands out if you read the whole chapter, uh, the word that keeps popping up is the word repair. Right? This person stood next to that person and they repaired. It's not just a word that means that everything will be made like it used to be. Right? Restoring it to, uh, to how it, it, uh, it initially looked, its original condition. But the word repair actually means to be made strong, to make stand firm, even in the face of opposition. You see, the the work that each individual here in our passage is doing is not just to to build the wall and just to, to make the wall strong, to make the wall stand firm, but it's work that builds up each other to make each other strong, to make each other, the community of God's people, to stand firm. I love how this chapter is laid out. 
Um, it, it speaks of this person uh, standing next to this person and this person with an unrecognizable name or unpronounceable name standing next to this person whose name you can't pronounce. Um, and you you can imagine that each person is acting like a personal trainer uh, to the other one, right? An encourager, a coach to say, "Come on, you can do it. We're almost done. Just keep going, keep pressing on. We're almost done with the work. One more brick, right? A little more mortar. One more brick. A little more mortar. You can do it. I know it's tiresome. I know it's tedious, but you can do it. We're almost there. You're doing good. You're doing good work. This is what it looks like to build." The kingdom together. You know, when we work together to take up the work the Lord has called us to as His people, uh, we're not just taking part in, in the, the mission of repairing cracks in a wall with mortar, but we're repairing cracks in each other's lives. As we encourage one another, as we stand with and for one another, as we love one another, as we remind each other of the restoration that the Lord has done for us because of Christ. And it's, it's, that, it's that person, it's, it's Jesus Christ that we celebrated uh, and that, at Easter, that we celebrate every Sunday, that we celebrate today, um, who did not think that he was above the work of restoring his people. Even though he was in the form of God, as the Apostle Paul says, he did not count equality with God a thing to be grasped. He was full of God, and yet he humbled himself, stooping low to take on flesh and to do the work that no one else could do of redeeming us. He, he, was, he was the Prince of Peace, right, as Isaiah says. He's the, he's the Prince of Peace who carried a cross on his back, dragging it through this city of Jerusalem the city of peace, in order to bring these people and us peace. This is the Jesus who took that cross and was driven outside these same city walls built with these hands and was killed as an outcast outside the city so that these people and people like us could be declared citizens of a heavenly kingdom. The city of God united together by the blood of Jesus. The Lord Jesus has repaired us. He has made us strong. And he makes us to stand firm against our opposition, our greatest opposition of sin and death. Because he's brought us restoration, a redeemed relationship between God and man once for all. And that promise, that hope, that we have in the finished work of Jesus is what the restoration of the city walls of Jerusalem pointed to. to. This is what united them together. They knew that they had a Savior who was coming, right? The promised one who was coming to redeem His people, for God to redeem His people to Himself. And it was that promise that united them they united them together in their, dev- their devotion to this work, and that is what unites us together in a devotion to building God's kingdom together at Midtown. That's the wall, the workers. Now, just very briefly, the worship. Um, uh, it, it doesn't immediately stand out um, in this passage to us, but, but it's there. Um, as this people, and as you read further on in Nehemiah, and even look back at the... the the, the book of Ezra, as the people built the temple, um, you see that, that as this work went on, that, that the people stopped and they worshipped the Lord. 
They thanked the Lord for what he was doing, the work that he was doing. What, what is worship? It's ascribing worth to the Lord. You know, we can actually worship the Lord um, apart from singing songs uh, and apart from praying to him, apart from hearing God's word preached and taught. Uh, we, we ascribe worth to the Lord as we fellowship together as we stand with one another, as we eat together, as we party together, yes, as we pray together, as we come to church together, as we carry each other's burdens we worship, as we give physical help to each other, as we give emotional support to each other, as we're united together in Christ, building one another up in love, making each other to stand firm because we stand on Christ and on Him we will not be moved. We can stand against our opposition of the evil one. We worship and we encourage one another, even in the ordinary activities that seem so mundane in life, to say this is where God has, has called you to at this time, in this moment. He, he has us where he wants us to be, and he knows what he is doing. And because he's a good God who's redeemed us, we can give him praise for putting us there because he's worthy of such praise. One said this, he said, a life of building the kingdom together begins in worship with a recognition of God's grace and generosity. This life of worship is not first a duty and responsibility. It is first a response of love and gratitude for God's love and welcome to us. Are you excited to worship together as Midtown Presbyterian Church? Are you excited to build together? It, 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 it's a lot of work, but God has called us to build the kingdom together. And, and I know um, that it might seem um, that, uh, that we have started this, this church from scratch. Um, but none of us here, uh, and Charles and Julie Garland, um, have not planted this church. The Lord Jesus has planted this church. This is His work. This is what he is building, and we join him in this work. He has begun a good work in us, individually and in our hearts. He has begun a good work in Midtown, Tucson. He's begun a good work at Midtown Prez, and he will see it through till the end. Let's pray. Oh, Lord Jesus, we thank you uh, for building your kingdom Lord, the kingdom does grow uh, like a mustard seed. Lord, the, the kingdom grows uh, sometimes slowly but surely. The kingdom grows from 12 disciples uh, following the Lord Jesus and having millions and billions uh, come to faith over the centuries. Uh, Lord, you are drawing people to yourself that right now are, are so far from you that we would look at and say, I don't think that I could ever see that person in the kingdom. But Lord, um, we need to approach your work with a sense of humility uh, that we were once enemies, that you have made friends, that you've shown your grace and mercy and love to, that you have uh, brought near to yourself. That we were once far off. We were enemies. You have made us friends. And even more so, you have called us sons and daughters of the king. Heirs of the kingdom. And Lord, you invite us to participate in the mission of building that kingdom. Lord, you are the one that plants your church. You are the one that gives the growth. 
But you do work in us and through us and for us. You use us, sinners, to advance the kingdom. And that is an amazing thing. Lord, would we be united together as Midtown Presbyterian Church? Would we do the heavy lifting together, encourage each other in that? Would we get our hands dirty, not thinking that we are above the work, uh, but that you have given us this special task of seeing your kingdom advance, seeing the gospel advance, not just throughout this world, but starting here in Midtown Tucson, that we would call sinners to repentance, to faith in Jesus, that we would give you glory in it and we would enjoy you in it. Lord, thank you for calling us to this mission. We give you all thanks and praise for Christ's sake and our joy. In his name we pray. Amen.